Welcome back to season two of the Tourism Geographies podcast, a podcast that showcases research published in Tourism Geographies, a peer-reviewed journal which explores tourism and tourism-related areas of recreation and leisure studies from a geographic perspective. I'm Marcia Rudolfse, one of the producers of episodes for the show, and I come to you from Wageningen University and Research in the Netherlands. With me here today is Kath Bassett, who will be talking about her recent publication in Tourism Geographies titled TripAdvisor as a Geopastoral Technology. Kath, welcome. Could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Hello, and thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, my name is Kath Bassett. Um, I'm a lecturer in sociology at the University of York. Um, here I am the program lead for our um, MA and MSc digital sociology programs, um, as well as I'm the co-developer of uh, the Sociologically Imagining York podcasted walk and website. So my research takes interest in mundane forms of mediation and governance. In the past, I have taken interest in these concepts as they relate to clinical and therapeutic contexts. But more recently, my research has taken interest in the governing role of digital platforms in urban economies and touristic development. Wonderful. Thank you, Kath. Your article explores the capacity of locative media platforms, um, LMPs for short, to facilitate spatial exploration within the touristic context. And I wanted to start this interview with a very general question, actually, about what locative media actually are and how do they relate to tourism? What brought you to research them? Great. So, so yeah, so locative media, um, I, I understand them at least as kind of digital media and mediated communications, which are functionally bound to a location or, or locations. You know, they depend on digital maps and tend to make information visible and discoverable based in part on physical location. They're, you know, made possible through the increased computational power of our mobile devices and uh, the integ their integration with GPS and other types of sensors. And, you know, since the kind of development of Google Earth and Maps in 2004 and 2005, um, and with the kind of popularization of smartphones, which I believe kind of was more like 2007, 2008 and on, um, location-based services um, and platforms have become one of the kind of fastest growing sectors in web technology. Um, and, you know, locative media are very integral to tourism. And there's, you know, indeed a long history of conducting research on these types of platforms within tourism studies. However, you know, something that I began noticing, especially when it uh, comes to TripAdvisor, and um, especially how TripAdvisor was kind of discussed in kind of tourism management um, studies, was that often it's discussed as a kind of form of social media rather than locative media. Um, and these terms are, of course, not mutually exclusive, um, but I find that these kind of locational and mobile dimensions are really important to understanding what they're kind of doing uh, within touristic encounters. So yeah, later on, I'll talk about how they're kind of used by tourists as well as those who kind of accommodate them. So in terms of how I became interested in locative media, so I initially became interested um, 
in this kind of genre of platform during the Pokemon Go summer of 2016. Um, I was really fascinated with the game and how it kind of prompted me to explore and get to know my surroundings. And yeah, so it was kind of within this time I began tracing the kind of media attention the game and the, these kind of types of technologies were attracting. Um, and my PhD was actually initially proposed as a study of this game. But by the time I had actually moved to Edinburgh and began my degree, I was kind of worried I'd missed the moment. But, you know, it was around this time that the Harry Potter game, which was being made by the same company, was also going to be a location-based game, was being announced um, and was kind of being teased, I suppose. Um, and so I kind of made the decision at that point. I was like, I'm going to switch to studying this new game. Then I get to kind of study its release and maybe I can capture some of that like um, initial release moment um and yeah you know where better to kind of study that game than edinburgh which you know not only has kind of um, a literary entanglement um but also has this yeah harry potter tourism scene so and then like i think it was like two months after that um, a, a vice news article came out which claimed that harry potter tourism was ruining edinburgh um the article was actually pretty awful it, awful, very sensational, very clickbaity. I think someone from Glasgow just kind of got a train to Edinburgh for the day and just decided to kind of talk about this kind of tourism scene in a really kind of degrading way. Um, but, you know, ultimately what the kind of article did was it got me really interested in how this kind of tourism scene had developed and the ways that its development was digitally mediated. So that's kind of what got me interested in I kind of located media and what kind of brought me to, I guess, my, the project that I um, have published published from. Um, but I guess what primed my interest in locative media and TripAdvisor specifically within hospitality work was having actually worked um, in a number of restaurants in between research and teaching gigs. And, you know, my labor within those establishments actually being the object of reviews. And I guess kind of observing in um, the multiple restaurants that I had worked in, how, you know, in some cases it had a kind of tumultuous social life. Um, but in others, um, they had kind of developed these ways to kind of, yeah, get the platform working for them. And also it just had a much more kind of peaceful kind of social life in their venues. So I think those experiences kind of got me interested in the ways that these platforms are kind of involved in hospitality work. Wonderful. Thank you, Kath. Something that I really loved about your work, about this article, is the approach that you took to your research. So instead of starting in the here and now of TripAdvisor as a present day technology, you actually take the reader back. You tell us about the genealogy of locative media platforms. Could you share with us what you did exactly? Um, yeah, so, you know, this research and the theorization immobilizes of locative media within the touristic context um, emerges from an ethnographic approach and project. So, you know, my ethnographic fieldwork spanned between 2018 and late 2019 and involved systematically um, collecting data about the kind of digital entanglement of Edinburgh's Harry Potter tourism scene. And this was done um, via participant observation at 16 Harry Potter related sites in Edinburgh. I spent um, anywhere from one week to two weeks kind of systematically collecting data. And then I would kind of go back to these sites and kind of hang out to see if the observations I had made um, during those kind of more formal visits, like kind of held up um, on other days and in other times. 
Um, I also uh, did a kind of two-day intercept questionnaire. So intercept questionnaires are often used within kind of mobility studies to um, learn about people's transportation practices, et cetera. And I tried to kind of like uh, I, I guess adapt it um, to uh, so I kind of sat myself uh, nearest to the most popular Harry Potter um, site in Edinburgh, which is Thomas Riddle's grave. And it's also kind of one of the hardest to find sites as well. And, and it kind of takes people out of the kind of like hustle and bustle of the city a bit. So it also felt like a good place to kind of like talk to people um, and not kind of disrupt the flow of, of their kind of travels. Um, and so I asked just two questions. I tried to keep it very short and sweet. Um, I asked Taurus, you know, how do you first learn about the existence of this site? And then how did you kind of more practically navigate to it? Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I learned more about kind of how tourists are using these technologies. And then to um, kind of better understand the social life within hospitality work, um, I conducted 30 semi-structured qualitative interviews with those who accommodate tourists. Um, so this was owners, managers, and kind of customer-facing workers um, who do, you know, tour, anything from tours to working at writing locations, and um, as well as some who work in like themed venues. Um, and, you know, ethnographic analysis is, of course, kind of messy as is. And th this was certainly the case with my project. I, I kind of quickly realized the challenges of putting multiple types of data in conversation with one another, but also some of the terms and concepts I'd initially thought would be kind of useful to me that were kind of a part of my initial kind of like literature review were just kind of feeling clunky and kind of awkward. So and soon after kind of completing my first very, very labored iter first iteration of data analysis, and I as I was kind of thinking through my next steps, um, the COVID-19 pandemic began unfolding, the world shut down, and travel and tourism across the world was paused. The field that I had kind of come to know ceased to exist in the form I had initially recorded it. And during this time, you know, I was reaching out and checking in with my key informants and my research participants. And here, you know, the anxieties that they were expressing to me about the present and even the futures of their touristic services made me just very acutely aware of my privilege as a researcher. And, you know, suddenly it, it just didn't really feel very good to be leveraging their experiences and stories for my own kind of professional advancement, especially when I wasn't really sure if they were going to gain the support that they needed from the UK government to kind of maintain themselves through this event. So, you know, all these kind of feelings led me away from engaging with my data kind of immediately again. And, you know, as a means to kind of process the dramatic changes which my field was undergoing and which, you know, my, my research participants were navigating and managing in real time, I, I began keeping an eye on all the news coverage about the impact of COVID-19 um, on the kind of tourism industry. And these articles, you know, tended to use language such as unprecedented to describe all that was happening. And at first, this language really triggered my anxiety and worry about my research participants. But after a while, I, I found myself kind of becoming more so annoyed with its overuse as I began to think back on moments in my own lifetime, such as the September 11th terrorist attacks and the 2008 financial crisis, which had, in fact, impacted travel in ways which had changed it. So, you know, it was, and I guess it was specifically within keeping an eye on all the news that kind of two things started to come to my attention. 
So first, it was that the guidebook publisher, Lonely Planet, was permanently closing down most of its offices, its production facilities, and that it would no longer be financing multi-week research trips to update and grow its guidebooks. And this was something that set them apart from other guidebook publishers operating before the pandemic. And instead, they began opting for desk-based research, which no doubt involves kind of internet research as well. Um, And then the second kind of event which caught my attention was that TripAdvisor was cutting 900 jobs globally and reducing its kind of total workforce. It was closing a lot of its offices permanently, uh, closing a lot of its offices permanently, except for its kind of headquarters. Its CEO was um, foregoing his salary for the rest of the year. And most of their employees were kind of asked to go down to a four four day work week and take a, a kind of salary cut for three months. So both of these stories combined with research I had conducted earlier on the kind of political economies of locative media um, and where I was learning that Google Maps was, you know, really starting to seriously impede on TripAdvisor's kind of market share prompted me to ask if the pandemic might creating the conditions in which the materiality of travel, which I was centering in my thesis, might kind of shift and change. And, you know, whether or not this actually became the case, it felt really timely and important for me to understand the material histories of travel and tourism. So, you know, this kind of existential rabbit hole I went down in an effort to kind of make sense of how the pandemic, what what the pandemic meant for my research, ended up showing me that much of what I was actually initially trying to discuss as kind of new and novel about TripAdvisor, especially in terms of how my, my participants were kind of engaging with it reflexively, I actually started to realize that there was more of a history here than I had initially thought. And so, yeah, it was kind of this going into the history, the histories of travel, especially the material histories, which kind of helped me make sense of my data and the form and really forms the theoretical contribution of my tourism geographies article. And in particular, yeah, the genealogy assembles of of TripAdvisor based on an analysis of its antecedents. Wonderful. So, how then could we consider TripAdvisor as what you call a travel actant, as a technology that geopastorially guides relations and spaces of tourism? And you talk about Harry Potter tourism specifically. So, so yeah, my notion of geopastoralism or geopastoral technology is arrived at through analyzing these antecedents. And I draw on and combine two Foucauldian concepts, that of pastoralism and environmentality, which are related to governmentality, to draw attention to how um, the platform intervenes in the ordering of souls and lives, as well as how it acts as a technology of spatial production and management. And, you know, more specifically, I attend to how this platform um, acts as an exploration partner to tourists or what I call mobile subjects and um, as a kind of promotional and reflexivity partner to those who accommodate tourists or um, what I term as mapped subjects. So, so yeah, in terms of kind of grounding this a bit and um, making it a bit less abstract with reference to my ethnography of Edinburgh's Harry Potter, Harry Potter tourism scene. So, you know, during my fieldwork, and especially the participant observation and intercept questionnaire portion, I would regularly observe tourists interested in Harry Potter features on their mobile devices, navigating the city. And in particular, I I observed how when people located specific destinations on their own and with the help of their device, 
have they experienced this kind of particular sense of pride and would even kind of like beam at their devices for allowing them to kind of enact their travel intentions and have the experience they were having. I would even, um, I think, I think I was like observing this like father daughter, um, pair who were cup, um, who were, um, traveling. Um, and I think at one point they even referred to like the, the phone as magic, um, for like helping them kind of find this, this, um, this grave site. And, you know, additionally on Harry Potter tours, when I would talk to tourists and ask them about how they came to choose this tour over other ones, um, they explained how, you know, they had selected this based on TripAdvisor reviews. And they would even discuss specific reviews, which would kind of help them make this choice and adjunct between options. And then, you know, when I was sitting in restaurants and writing locations in particular, I noticed how TripAdvisor would also be drawn upon while waiting in queues or even waiting for their food at the table to kind of confirm that they had selected the right service and were using their time wisely, but also often to contextualize the experience and better kind of work out its connection to the Harry Potter series. So this was um, and yeah, this was all kind of further confirmed during the, the Intercept questionnaire. So in terms of tourists, I, I think the geopastoralism of the platform is evident um, in the kind of intimate relationship that tourists have with it um, when they're traveling, how it's called upon to kind of direct and guide them, how it enables them to travel on their own and become kind of responsible and in control of their travels and to be adaptable to different cultures and environments. Um, its capacity to act in these ways is tied to its environmentality and, and, you know, how it curates information based on geolocation, um, but additionally based on their kind of overall popularity and sometimes their kind of personalized claim to attention. So these, you know, algorithmic orderings act, you know, as a kind of modulation of the relationship between them and the environments they're exploring, um, affecting how they perceive the place. Um, and yeah, in doing so, it, it the, the platform acts as a kind of trusty exploration um, partner by providing them with a, a kind of form of secured environment um, that delineates a landscape of possibility that ultimately frames their experiences and and their kind of interactivity with the the environment. In terms of then how you know how the, this platform kind of comes to intervene and be a part of hospitality work or or you know what I feel like my research really kind of adds to these discussions so through kind of participant observation, but also interviewing uh, those who accommodate tourists. I, I learned about on the kind of other end of things about how it was managed by these different organizations. And while some organizations were more reactive to the content which accumulated, while others, you know, were more proactive, something that I came to recognize as a feature of everyone, so all 10 organizations in my sample, what they had in common was depending on the platform as a kind of reflexive partner. So, for example, one of the Harry Potter tours, which I focused on, received um, an ambiguous review about um, the Hufflepuff the Hufflepuff jokes that they had scattered throughout their tour. Um, and when this review emerged, they started um, a, a private Facebook messen uh, messenger discussion. And it was through this reflecting on this incident and others and multiple members of their team talked about this in their interviews that they decided to drop most of these jokes and, uh, you know, to pretty much ensure that they weren't alienating other Huffle people who identify with H the, the Hogwarts House of Hufflepuffs 
within their their kind of tour. The platform was drawn upon to kind of mend these reviews in future encounters. And we see how the platform kind of enables them to become more aware of how they're being perceived and how it can even prompt owners and workers alike to be more sensitive and responsive to the feedback they're receiving. And thus, you know, how the platform kind of comes to act as a kind of technology of subjectification or, yeah, a reflexivity partner. Um, and so the use of this platform, though, wasn't only for mending the kind of reputation of of the, the organization like in the minds of tourists themselves, though, but also has implications for how the platform ranks and orders them, especially in cases where it prevents a similar sort of review from emerging again. Um, so in this way, I, I also kind of came to learn how depending on the platform as a reflexivity partner was part of how the platform was maintained as a reliable promotional partner um, by four organizations out of the 10 in my sample. Uh, but, you know, importantly, this wasn't also the only technique which had been developed to kind of maintain this this partnership. So, for example, four organizations also train their customer facing employees to, to prompt for reviews at the end of service encounters. So here, humor was often used to kind of smooth this type of ask. So, you know, if um, if you enjoyed this tour, my name is Kath. If you didn't, my name is, you know, Tim or something like that. And so this was all kind of done. This kind of prompting for reviews was was done to kind of garner more positive reviews, which could then kind of help them balance negative and ambiguous ones. Although in practice, it garnered a whole range of reviews and ratings. So, so yeah, these two kind of techniques of kind of um, reflecting and, and using this content to mend things, as well as prompting for them in the first place, are notable in the sense that they address the kind of environmentality of the platform. And, you know, how ultimately this platform is making them uh, visible and discoverable based on their kind of effective claim to attention. So. So, yeah. So here um, the kind of geopastoralism of the platform is evident, I argue, and how the platform is maintained as a promotional partner by engaging with it reflexively. Thanks so much, Yes. I want to tap into that comment that you made about of the implications for uh, of this kind of digital ranking. And, uh, later on in the art article, you argue that um, locative media platforms are enabled by, but also productive of, very specific tourism specialities. Uh, and you mention um, that these platforms are very much rooted in techno-capitalist values. Um, they mobilize certain spaces over others. And in doing so, they can also lead to exclusionary practices. Um, it, it reminded me also of um, uh, recent studies that question the validity of reviews and ratings that contribute to these rankings. Reviews and ratings are sometimes used to retaliate against certain businesses or ratings are based on yeah. tourists' uh, unreasonable requests. Could you say a bit more about that? How are these specific tourism specialities also shaped through these platforms? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, that that, that those kind of dimensions were, were regularly mentioned by my participants. And, and, you know, again, why? Because, you know, they would mention how, you know, sometimes reviews would be reflect that like something that they never promised in their advertising as well, um, right. like that like movie locations would be shown where like Edinburgh doesn't have a, a kind of film connection. So yeah, there, there were some, some of that. Um, so yeah, so I, I guess 
speaking to those kind of spatialities. So, so yeah, so, you know, the platform ultimately, um, or, or my understanding of it at least is that it, it's ordering spaces, r- ranking spaces, um, based on their kind of effective claim to attention, or rather whether they mobilize an effective response in the form of customer reviews and ratings. Um, so, you know, on the one hand, this does represent an expansion of who is contributing to the kind of curation of objects in the landscape, seen as it's everyday people now, and not just travel agencies, guidebook publishers, writers, deciding what kind of constitutes culture and what is kind of worthy of our attention. Um, but yeah, you know, not while oh, like so many people use these platforms, um, not everyone also contributes as well. But, you know, increasingly, and especially with the kind of monetization of platforms, new variables are also being added to what kind of constitutes one's effective claim to attention. So, for example, in late 2019 and right before the pandemic, TripAdvisor began making it harder for free tours to use their platform to come to the attention of its user base by changing how it curated pages, where instead of um, using all reviews, um, that this that the organization had kind of accumulated it began using only the reviews for tours which were booked and paid for by the platform itself. So it really changed the rules of the game. And, you know, since this occurred at the very end of my fieldwork, I didn't get the chance to delve into much depth about monetization, how monetization of the platform kind of changed things. But I did observe um, and, and through just kind of informal interactions how it really did create a precedent to sell things on the platform instead of just it being a place where they could be represented. I also noticed how it began prioritizing bigger tourism businesses, um, bigger chains that are across Europe, et cetera, and, you know, how smaller businesses had to really adjust quickly and how even still they were knocked down a couple pegs. So um, one of the tours that I kind of center in my research um, or my kind of broader research project, they used to be on the first page of results for just generally tours in Edinburgh. Um, But once this kind of change occurred, they were um, on the second page in like the middle. So and it started putting bigger chains um, at the kind of top or or really prioritizing those who had kind of always been selling services on the platform and who had had the resources to do so. And, you know, on one sense, there's this kind of feeling of betrayal by smaller businesses who had been playing by the rules of the kind of previous operations. But then, you know, on, on the other side of that, there was acknowledgement of like, you know, this is how capitalism works. So, yeah, so I I think to kind of dig more into the monetization of the platform, especially maybe in a genealogical way, it might be beneficial to dig into the colonial entanglements of travel and tourism and look specifically into how spatial interventions were involved in colonialism and setting up colonial markets. And thus, you know, maybe bringing theories of racial capitalism to bear on notions of platform capitalism. And this is something that Tressie McMillan Cottom has encouraged and is something which is already kind of being taken up. So I think that there's absolutely a kind of foundation to do this. Thanks so much, Kath. I'm really sorry that we're running short on time because it means that I have to ask one of my final questions. I wanted to close off with the final questions about where you think LMPs are heading. Uh, If you want to share with us some ideas about future research avenues for our listeners of the podcast who work in this field. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, LMPs, like many other types of platforms, are, you know, beginning to experiment with AI. So, you know, Google Maps, for example, is experimenting with AI in an effort to make their navigational tools more immersive, combining this with kind of AR capabilities to make it easier for individuals to kind of navigate space. And, you know, I'm not actually sure if these features are available yet in the UK or Europe, so I actually haven't had a chance to kind of play around with them and think with them yet. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I, I think that like kind of getting into the AI dimensions will be important, especially for those interested in Google Maps. Um, whereas, you know, TripAdvisor is experimenting with AI to make certain features of the platform even more personalized and in particular, enabling individuals to kind of input some information and um, making an itinerary for them, like a multi-day itinerary for them. And I think this feature is um, an aspect of the feature called trips. Um, and yeah, this is, I think, notable because TripAdvisor has often organized things more so based on overall popularity instead of personalized claim to attention. So compared to Google Maps, then their kind of claim to fame has always been about their more quote unquote objective ranking system. But on the other hand, this isn't entirely new because um, for quite a while, TripAdvisor has also kind of had more personalized curations, whether that be on the kind of dashboard of users or their kind of home, their personalized homepage. So, yeah, so, you know, this absolutely represents kind of some new things happening. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be important to kind of temper our, our evaluation of the use of AI with also staying grounded in the kind of histories of these platforms. And yeah, ultimately I hope my article can kind of help temper our theorizations of new features and AI and locative media platforms. Absolutely, Kath, I fully agree with that. Um, I have drawn a lot of inspiration from your article and um, I, I like to draw uh, the listeners of this podcast to your article again, just going to repeat the title. TripAdvisor as a geopastoral technology, which can be found on the Tourism Geographies website. Um, thank you again so much, Kath. It was really lovely to have you here. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Tourism Geographies podcast. We look forward to you joining us again next week. I'm Marcia Rudolfsen. Bye for now.